Hey, this is Joe Bakhmotsky and welcome to Simplify Cancer Podcast. Today we're going to hear from Karen Barrow, who's put together this incredible, this inspirational book called Picture Your Life After Cancer. It's really amazing and I hope you check it out. Let's get into it. Karen, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate your time. No problem. Karen, your book puts cancer in a really different light. And I guess like in many ways, people find positives, a, a, a new appreciation of life. Is that is that something that you expected? So just a little background. We started Picture Your Life After Cancer online as a digital project um, in 2010. And it was primarily a way of collecting images of people who were dealing with cancer, who considered themselves after cancer. So after cancer for a lot of people could be after diagnosis or after treatment, or after cure, or after accepting, you know, death or a relative's death. Um, And so I didn't really know what I would get. And it was amazing to see the percentage of the stories that came in that were very positive um, and were stories of people who found spins to put on their experiences that helped them appreciate life more, helped them appreciate friends and family more. Um, and and help them appreciate their own health more. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I think because it's it's given. Um, I've seen a lot of books, and I've tried to find a lot of resources online, offline, and everywhere. And I, I think it's your book really captures a voice that is missing, a voice that really hasn't been heard before. Do you feel that voice is heard out in in the greater community? Like, do do people have? maybe a better sense of, of what cancer is about? I know it started as, a, as, as an online project and turned into a book later. Do you think that people have a better sense of what it's like? Um, I think it, within the book, people can find stories that they relate to, um, and that helps them feel less alone in the process of going through cancer. Because if you know, you're going through treatment, it's very individualized. It's very specific to you, the kind of cancer you have, the treatments you're choosing, um, how you're choosing to deal with side effects. But the impact it has on your mental psyche and your family and your friends is more universal than I think people realize. So if you go through the book and you read stories of other people, you'll find some that you have nothing in common with, but you'll find plenty that resonate with you. And it makes, it makes your experience feel less unique and, and in that way, easy, easier to understand. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I find that when I, when I was going through it, I remember that there was really much out there that is that is positive, you know, because there's a lot of ac- academic resources and there's yeah. there's a lot of like biographies and things like that, but there really isn't anything that is like is positive that is where you can I mean as in the title of your book picture your life after cancer that you can say wow, I'm going through all this all this horrible stuff right now, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and yeah. I know there's going to be positive something out there after that. Yeah, well, I, I personally haven't gone through a cancer experience, thank goodness. Um, but um, I think that's true, and I think it's true of any chronic illness. When you're dealing with it, it's very easy to get stuck in the tunnel, like this is my life, there's, it's never going to end. Um, I don't see what's going to happen afterwards. So it helps to hear from other people, regular people who don't necessarily have a book deal and can get their biography written or, you know, tell their stories um, about what it's like on the other side. And it, and, it, and it makes it, I hope it gives people something to, to aim for in the process. Yeah, absolutely. And in the introduction to the book, you 
You said that the stories are told, they're told about new adventures, new milestones, the newfound happiness, but also loss, also sadness and confusion. Are these emotions, experience, uh, are they universal, do you think? Oh, I think they're very much universal. And I think for all the people who tell, you know, the, the, the positive stories, you know, they survived cancer and they went on a trip to Paris to celebrate, went on a trip to Paris to celebrate, or they got married, or they found some happiness at the end. I'm sure there was, there was sadness also built into that. You know, it's a very complicated emotional thing to go through and people can choose to take which side of it they want to. Um, and a lot of people told very positive stories. A lot of people told very sad stories. Um, a lot of people lost their way as a result of cancer. They, they were religious before and they just decided they didn't believe in God anymore because that just, it just didn't fit with their experiences anymore. And they were sad as a result. There was depression as a result of cancer. So it's a very multifaceted outcome. Um, and I think what I've learned is that a lot of it has to do with how you choose to perceive the experience. Yeah, that's pretty amazing that, you know, that you say that it's about a choice and the choice that uh, you can choose to, to be positive and then you can choose to aim for something better and to be a better person. But, you know, you can you can choose to pull yourself out. So uh, do you think, did you have the feedback that, that for most people, having that light at the end of the tunnel, having having something to look forward to, is that something that would keep them going? I think so. Um, and a lot of people, um, if you look through the book, you see pictures of friends and family, children, spouses, relatives. Um, and a lot of, and for a lot of people, I think it was that that kept them going. It was, there's even a lot of pictures of people with their pets, dogs, especially. Yep. Um, just knowing that there was some, somebody or something to live for and to, you know, to suffer through the hardships of treatment for made it, made it worthwhile for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I even like personally, I had, I used all this visualization myself, like just thinking about, you know, I had a, I had a picture of my son. And when I would go in through, would be going through treatment, like, you know, what I would physically get, you know, a cannula in my hand. And when the drip with the chemo started, I would, I would kind of have this mental image of him. And that would kind of really give me, give me this positive rush. Uh, to keep going and i think that that's uh what a book like that does and what's what positive stories do from your family from friends but also from people you don't know like um you know i had i had your book lying down there on my on my coffee table and there was times when i would just pick it up and open it and looking at at other people even complete strangers gave me a sense of hey i'm not alone here you know yeah yeah so you know it could be nursing staff that helps you get through it it could be a community, a, a religious community, or your neighbors. Um, it's, it's very easy to feel alone when you're the one getting the chemotherapy in the in the hospital and going every all the time for that, and just getting lost in the process. But um, finding sort of the human connection can help pull you out of that funk too. Did you have a sense that people ha have made connections with uh, you know medical staff, with oncologists, nurses? Was were those stories coming through? Yeah, there are a handful of people. I mean, the, the stories we selected for the book is just a small piece of the number we got online. Um, and there are plenty of people who wrote thank you notes, you know, to their doctors, especially their nurses, to the caregivers in their lives, whether they're loved ones or hired help. Um, because, you know, in times of need, that those are the people who kind of help lift you through it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Karen, I was I was really struck by a quote that sharing stories is 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 really a reminder that we are not alone. I mean, it's a simple but 
elusive truth? I mean, was it something that you were thinking of when, when you were starting this project? Yeah, I'm, I'm, a lot of my work um, that I do, um, I started as a health reporter, but um, as a digital producer, I did a lot of, I do a lot of work thinking about evergreen stories because everything you put on the internet lasts forever, you know, in a way. So yep. I like the idea of telling stories that, like you, you know, like you said, um, are just as relevant now as they could be in 10 years. And research studies are important and medical, the medical community is making great strides and finding new treatments and, and evolving medical care and cancer care. But the human stories don't really change. Um, and I've done several projects on chronic diseases and people telling stories of chronic diseases. Um, and I find that the themes are, aren't very different from one disease to the other. Sure, the, the hardships are different. You know, whether you're dealing with arthritis or you're dealing with cancer or you're dealing with um, Alzheimer's, you know, how you adapt is very different. But underlying all of that, com- it comes down to how do you move from day to day with a chronic illness? How do you mentally let yourself move past the fact that you're sick and, and live life? Absolutely. And Karen, what were some of, some of the things that people say that helped them on this journey, like in terms of dealing with chronic diseases? with cancer particularly, what were some of the things that helped them help them through the emotional journey? A lot of it is is, is really putting a positive attitude on. Um, even when you're upset and you're down in the dumps and feeling sorry for yourself is finding a way to get out of that. So even if it's, you know, some people have hobbies. I've met a couple of younger people who would play video games and, and um, sort of lose themselves in that when they're feeling upset. And, and it's sort of wonderful. They have a place to forget for a few minutes that they're not well. And a lot of people have hobbies and interests that they found ways of adapting their abilities to continue doing. I interviewed a few comedians who've had illnesses, and they just find ways to make fun of themselves for for <laughs> the, what they're going through, you know. And and that's obviously not for everybody, but for them, laughing at themselves helps them get through it. So people, if you're determined to find a coping mechanism, there's ways of putting positive spins on what you're going through, or or merely putting aside the fact that you're sick and trying to forget about it for a little while can help your psyche as well. Yeah, exactly. It's not really a glamorous experience. Um, no. I think <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's all this. It's made up of all these little moments, you know, like waiting for your next oncologist appointment, or not knowing how the treatments worked, or being around people who care about you, or you know, playing video games, or uh, you know, doing a new stand-up stand-up comedy routine. I mean, people have an entirely different perception. Of it, just you know, if you read blogs online, or you know, if people talk about this sort of heroic survival, you know, how do people reconcile the fact that you know it's it's really it's really it's not about that? <laughs> you know, when you, people go through cancer, you don't feel like a hero; you feel just a regular person who's just trying to make it through to the next milestone. Yeah, a lot of people I found reject the word survivor. Um, they feel like it's too. I guess, heroic of a title. Nobody asked to have cancer. Nobody chose to have cancer. They just got it and they figured out how to deal with it. And for a certain portion of the community, they appreciate the term survivor because they did they did go through it and come out the other side. But a lot of people, they don't like that title um, because it's just like, I was. this was the hand I was dealt and I figured out how to play the cards. You know, So it's not that I'm a survivor. Any, hopefully anybody else given the same deck of cards would figure out how to get through it as well also i guess uh, survivor implies 
powerlessness in a way, right? Yeah. Like that's also could could have negative connotations as well, like for your self image, right? Yeah, yeah, you're in control to a degree, but you're not in control to a degree, right? So if you didn't if you didn't survive cancer, whose fault is it? It's not really your fault, right? It's because the cancer was too aggressive, or the treatments didn't work, or it was caught too late. But it wasn't a result of something you personally did wrong. So that's another good point. Yeah, Karen, there were so many, so many amazing stories that went into the book. And I guess you were selecting things from uh, a myriad of stories that you had online. Uh, that must have, must have been a really difficult process. How did you choose what goes in there? Um, it was very challenging. Um, the book itself is photo driven, so we we sort of we started with the, the best photos and the photos that captured the stories that were being told, and then secondarily, I wanted to make sure there was a variety, so a variety of ages and races and genders and experiences and positive stories and negative stories and people who lived and people who didn't live and people talking about relatives versus people talking about themselves. Um, so it was important to me to show that that range of people who told their stories and, and hope that it represented the range of reality of the people out there dealing with this. And I believe that it goes back to the same theme of, of the, the fact that it's universal, that, that everyone goes through it, no matter... Uh, who you are, your age, where you live, your ethnicity, your religion—it's it's it's down down to human experience. It's right. down down to to the individual. Yeah, and I wanted people to flip through the book and you know maybe see a face that looked familiar, you know, or maybe see a story that that read familiar familiar, or maybe saw a picture that appealed to them. And everybody has different tastes and interests and you know diversity. So people, so I wanted to make sure that that mix was included. Absolutely. And, you know, from personal experience, Karen, I, you know, I can really say that life after cancer will never be the same. But that also kind of makes me, you know, reassess my life before cancer and, and really look at things, start looking at things in a different light. Is that something that is common, like in your opinion? Yeah, a lot of people talked about a shift in priorities um, and how things that were once so important to them just are, feel petty now. You know, maybe they were caught up in work. And they were busy all the time with work and, you know, and they, they did their, their work to the sacrifice of their family, but then they went through this experience and they realized it just, it, it, it just doesn't matter at the end of the day. And the loved ones are the ones that appreciate them or vice versa. Frankly, you know, if you had, you know, a poor relationship with a spouse, there were stories of people who said, I went through cancer and I realized it's not worth suffering, you know, with a, a spouse that doesn't treat me appropriately. And I ended the relationship you know, because I wanted to concentrate on me and live a happy life. Um, so it definitely, in many cases, it led to a shift in priorities um, and a shift in values. Um, some people found religion, some people lost religion, some people had um, new motivation to run a marathon, run a triathlon, travel the world, climb a mountain, um, just to be able to check that off their box. And I think in general, people just have a, a better appreciation for the days that they're given. You know, they don't. They they realize that time is fleeting. Yeah, time is fleeting. It's such a crucial thing that I guess when we talk about fleeting time, do people talk about the fact that they need to do more with that time? How, how do people talk about time? They want to appreciate it. They want to appreciate it more, and they want to make sure that they're spending their time on the things that are meaningful to them. Um, so, for some people, that's lazing around on the couch with their family and, and just hanging out. And for some people, that's checking off their bucket list and making sure they accomplish everything they want to accomplish. Um, and for some people, that's 
you know, training for marathons and running and getting the best physical health and hopefully extend that life. And for some, it's not. And, and so everybody sort of values time a little differently. And some people are still trying to figure, figure out like what, what to do with their time, you know, that they're given now. Absolutely. And Karen, we touched on some, some, some stereotypes because there are, there are so, so many stereotypes like, like fighting cancer with, with, with your boxing gloves on, that survivors are heroes or, or that, that cancer is a death sentence. And, and a lot of these stereotypes, I guess, are simplistic and, and in many cases, they're not true. So like, like fighting presumes that like what we just talked about, like that fighting presumes that you can win just because of your, like, of your, of your mental toughness and willpower. Do you think that these attitudes are changing in the society? I mean, in all of your work at the New York Times, like, uh, is, is that changing at all, do you think? I think so. I think people are a little bit more sensitive to the fact that cancer, to a degree, feels random. Like, obviously, there are things you can do to raise your risk of various cancers. But at the end of the day, who gets it and who doesn't get it? It's, it's, it's kind of unclear why, to, you know, to a certain degree. Um, and while treatments are getting better, they're not perfect. You know, there's no cure. So it's hard to, it's, it's becoming, you know, you don't want to blame the individual if they don't successfully make it through treatment because that's not necessarily their fault, right? If they follow their doctor's orders and they did all the treatments that were prescribed for them, that's not their fault. If it didn't work, it's medicine's fault, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So is there, I guess is the sense of the stories that that people want to tell in the media like is there a difference in how how people want to talk about cancer survivors or people specifically going through treatment right now do these stories do you think get is is that a voice that is heard enough you know in the is the greater community I don't know I I I would I think that people want to be able to tell their stories and I think people want to be able to tell stories that relate to them without being put in a box and without being lumped in with, you know, cancer survivors or they're battling cancer or, you know, they're, they failed treatment. They just want to, everybody's an individual and every story is unique. And I think the people who want to share their stories want to make sure that their voices are heard. And do you think that those, that those voices, that those stories, are they being heard by, for example, government organizations, uh, you know, uh, medical specialists, like are these stories that something that gets incorporated into, into, into healthcare, into wellness, that side of things? I think more and more so. Um, I think the medical community is realizing the importance of treating the whole person, not just the disease. Um, you can see that through support groups and the fact that, you know, doctors might connect somebody who's newly diagnosed with somebody who's already had a diagnosis, that's happening more and more um, so that they have kind of like a mentor or somebody to help steer them through the decisions that they're going to have to make in the process. Um, I think social workers for sure understand that concept that we're not treating a disease, we're treating a person and that person has a family and that person has a life and those people want to do specific things. Um, and treatment decisions are made you know, knowing that. So if something is going to affect you one way, and but that way, that way it's going to affect you might hurt you emotionally more than some other thing that might be part of the decision-making process for treatment. Absolutely. And, and now that more people are living, living after cancer than ever before, which is, of course, great news, well, maybe folks have different needs. And in terms of adjusting to life, and, and and to hopefully avoid some some late effects and some side effects as well. Like when it comes to our media and our community at large, 
how do they see cancer survivors? I think the people who know, people who've gone through it, are more sympathetic or more understanding than the people who don't. Um, I think the stereotypes, unfortunately, still exist. Um, and I think people who haven't had to deal with the experience firsthand, like the only thing they have to reference are those stereotypes or the stories they've read of famous people dealing with their illnesses. So, so it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit like anything else. Like it's hard to know what you don't know. And so people who just haven't experienced it, just, I, I don't think they can fully understand what the experience is like. Yeah. It, it, it's so difficult, isn't it? Like to, yeah. Like you say, relate to something you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And Karen, you have a blog on wellness. How did that come about? And, and what would you say are the three big takeaways about healthy living that, that you can share? Um, so the blog is called Well. It's a vertical of the New York Times. It's certainly not my blog. Um, and what Well focuses on is personal health. And we've broken personal health down into five pillars of mind, body, food, fitness, and family. Um, and we sort of consider those the five pillars of personal health. And the whole concept of the blog is the small changes that you can make in your life to improve it. So whether that's just knowing that, you know, drinking a glass of chocolate milk after a run is probably the best thing to do to prevent soreness versus how to deal with your spouse versus finding somebody to relate to after a cancer experience, well is devoted to helping people just live better lives day to day outside of the medical office. And, and um, what, were some of, what, what are some of the specific takeaways that you found that could really help someone to deal with, with, uh, with cancer or just to, have, to live a healthier life? Um, I think some of the most surprising things for me are always the mental, mental angle because mind is so important in your health and the importance of whether it's meditation or self-reflection or just sitting in a quiet room, um, just taking a few moments um, and stopping and thinking and, and trying to change your attitude and things like that, like how important the mind is to your body. Like we keep saying like your cancer experience could be happy or sad and it's just a matter of the spin you put on it. So the people who have a positive attitude, you know, they're making an effort to do that. And just being able to do that is important to your health. Uh, Karen, I'm a big fan of self-help because I believe that this is one of the things that, you know, in terms of mental health that really doesn't get enough enough attention, as much attention that it actually deserves. And like what, uh, how much of, 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 I guess, the articles that, that you see and some of the things that you put together, how much of that is something that people can really put to practice in their, in their daily life? Oh, the, the majority of things that we put out on well are things that you can put into practice. There's a lot of fitness tips. Um, there's a lot of mental well-being tips and there's a lot of food tips. And, and those are, those are the thing and relationship tips. I mean, and that's your everyday life. You know, you wake up, you say hi to your spouse, you say hi to your kids, you go to work, you have lunch, you come home and exercise or you don't. Um, and <laughs> you know, you come home grumpy, you come home happy. And you know, every day, these are these little small things that you decide to do that could affect your overall health. Do you sit at your desk for five hours straight or do you get up every 20 minutes and take a walk? You know, very simple things that we can suggest for you to do to help improve your overall health. That's fantastic. Karen, if someone wanted to check out your book or, or your other work, like uh, the, the Well blog and your articles, what would they do? Um, so Picture Your Life After Cancer is available on Amazon. 
Um, and you can also see it online if you go to newyorktimes.com slash picture your life. Um, that's where the digital version of it is. Um, you can also just Google Karen Barrow, K-A-R-E-N-B-A-R-R-O-W, um, and you'll see um, other work that I've done. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Karen. Thank you. Thank you.